Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 253. Today is Sunday the 22nd of October 2017 and this interview is with James Poulter. James is a senior social media manager at Lego, working on strategy and innovation for this beloved group. In this interview with James, we discuss the Lego mission, how that plays out in the social media strategy, what are some of the keen and key insights in using social media effectively, as well as some of the exciting, innovative ideas that LEGO is working on. James is a riveting interviewee. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to quick. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue. James, we had, I had the great pleasure to meet you down in Exeter at a Like Minds event run by our friend Drew Ellis. And I got to listen to you and and hear what you're doing. You are the senior social media manager at the beautiful brand of Lego. Uh, so uh, there's pretty right. much no one who's not heard of Lego unless they weren't a kid once. Um, it's a beautiful brand. And so describe us in, in your words, James, what your role is and uh, what's your mindset? Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks for having me. So, yeah, and I think um, it was it was lovely to meet in Exeter in, in the uh, the sunny Devon uh, or Cornwall, you know, kind of adjacent sunshine. And uh, I think um, so what do I do? I work here at Lego. I work across uh, a number of different areas. I'm based a part of the global social media team. That's a, a team that's based in all of our different locations around the world. We have around about 50 people in that team looking after social media across all of the different aspects that you would imagine from the big stuff that you would see coming from across the big main social platforms through to experiments that we're trying on some of the more niche and small things and also the emerging platforms that are coming out of other markets as well particularly over in China um, and so I sit as part of that team really in an innovation and strategy function helping identify new platforms that we can go into new projects that we can help uh, bring to life and seeding those back out across the rest of the organization I also have had the great privilege for the past couple of years of working on something called Lego Life, which is our own social network that we started uh, building out a couple of years ago and launched earlier this year, which is now up and running in over 15 markets around the world and is one of the first safe kids digital experiences for children to share socially with one another, which was something that we brought to market to kind of meet that need for kids to share their Lego creations with, with one another. And um, so that's what I do day to day when I'm not doing things like this, doing podcasts and doing, you know, kind of running around looking after my own little kid and, and uh, you know, kind of keeping busy doing that. I suppose what's my mindset? Well, um, it's kind of follows on from where we first met and uh, follows on from what I was speaking about at Like Minds is that I try to have a mindset of playfulness in everything that I do. I try and make sure that we're thinking constantly about ways to push ourselves um, in a playful manner in, in what we do here at Lego and also just in life in general. I think we can often you know, kind of get very bogged down in the, um, the day-to-day of the, the email and the slacking backwards and forwards one another, you know, Kind of, and particularly you know, working in this field of, of social, you would imagine that someone doing what I do would probably be 
one of the most you know, kind of high espousing kind of champions and evangelists of all of the technology platforms around us. And I am in many ways, but I also find myself constantly challenged by the way in which these things are changing the way that we work day to day and also just changing our behaviors. Uh, and so, you know, not being drawn into being gamed, but learning how to play. That's the part of my big kind of mindset shift, particularly in the past couple of years, as I've seen my own children kind of come and you know, begin to kind of be tempted into these kind of technologies. Uh, I think it's I kind of come at this whole space with an attitude of, yeah, we need to learn how to master these things and not be mastered by them. Uh, and that's a large part of what kind of goes into my mindset. This this playful attitude to innovation, uh, into you know, competition, into progress and ambition, all great things. But, uh, yeah, try and kind of temper them with making sure that we're on the, the controlling end of them, not on the receiving end of uh, being you know, kind of the subjects of these tech overlords that might kind yeah. of sometimes come for us it's sort of about being not being the victim of it uh, so lego is is really a, a masterful brand and it, it has an imaginative place in in all so many of our in our kids experience how do you describe the purpose of lego well, I mean, it's a big question because it's, it's a brand that's been around for a long time. Um, but I think actually what's great about it and one of the reasons why it has sustained for so long, we celebrated our 85th anniversary this year as a company. Um, the, the founding of that has come on even before the, the founding of the official company. And not many firms you know, last those kind of those decades without having a very core purpose and a very core brand. And one of the things that's core to what we do is this idea around quality uh, and around precision and, and challenging ourselves. Um, it's it's kind of very well expressed in this Danish phrase, which is best um, ik forgot. It's a, a Danish uh, phrase, which means roughly translated, only the best is good enough which is a great phrase. It's one that I'm, it's plastered on a wall just around the corner from where I am sitting here talking to you in, in the, the London hub office here at Lego. It's everywhere if you go to any of our sites because it's really cool to who we are, which is that this idea about that we should always pursue the very best experiences um, for children, which is obviously core to what we do. We, we're constantly pushing ourselves to come up with new things that can bring playful experiences to kids' lives to help them grow, to help them mature, to help them learn through play uh, and so that that's expressed really well i think in, in that and our, our mission if you like of how that kind of translates is that we, we really exist to deliver this um joy of building uh, and the pride of creation that's the, the kind of the, the brand mantra um and it's uh, something that's really lived out i think a lot um when you speak to everyone from product designers right through to people who are just responsible for whether it's finance or any of the back office kind of functions you would imagine, is that we really do believe that every time that we give children the opportunity to interact with the Lego brick, that they can have this, this joy that comes with building something, you know, actually working with something physical and building something of their own imagination. And then that pride that comes with sharing that creation with one another. Um, and that's expressed in all of the products that we make. It's expressed in our digital experiences and expressed actually in the way in which we kind of go about the, the company ethos and spirit day-to-day -day. it's absolutely cool to who we are well in listening to you james a couple of things the first is i love the fact that you use the word joy because somehow joy is a much more <laughs> fulfilling sound than yeah. being happy and secondly this idea of building and, and creation is a a fundament of creating meaningfulness 
and in that we, 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 it's a project that we accomplish. Look at my, look at what I've done, and then being able to share that uh, is you know expressing that and getting status from that and and approval from my peers and so on. So that's really cool. At the same time, uh, Lego I, I know has also moved into serious play, where it's not just about kids. It's about using Lego in a business context. I don't know to what extent that's part of your remit, but I would just be curious to understand how Lego is exploring contingent areas or contiguous or contiguous areas uh, outside of just kids Lego. Yeah, I mean, obviously, kid, the, the kids have kind of caused the mission. That's what we, we exist to do. But we know that um, learning through play isn't something that kind of stops when you, you know, kind of leave in, from primary school, right? Play is something that's fundamental to the way in which we, we learn from one another, the way in which we express ourselves. Um, that, that's something that we often lose an awful lot of when we grow up. Yeah. Um, not that it's lost as a skill, because obviously we, we still have that ability. It's the way that most of us learn how to do anything, whether that's learn an instrument, whether it's learn a new skill, you know, whether it's learn how to play a sport or you know, kind of learn a new hobby or craft. There's a great deal of playfulness in that. And so one of the things that we've you know, experimented with, um, there's been various projects along the years. You cited one of them, um, Serious Play, which is one of our kind of kits that's been available for a while now to help um, you know, kind of in a business setting. Um, but we also do a lot of um, work now through our community engagement work um, through local communities all around the world. I was actually just yesterday at the uh, at the Imagination uh, Lab here in London um, working with a, a couple of different teams from a number of uh, non-profit organisations and also commercial sector who would be helping go out with our teams from Lego Education to train um, other people in the community on how to use Lego as a way of learning through things like the WeDo kits that we have that help kids learn to code. Um, and you know, it starts obviously with the, the, the bricks and the children, but it's one of those things that we realise that actually the adults get a massive amount out of it as well and you very soon begin to hear stories of you know whether it's in office culture or whether it's you know people using it particularly in the development world um in terms of you know kind of digital product development lots of uh, stories of people using lego as a means to do things like track real-time you know kind of resources to use it to you know map out physical versions of kanban boards that they might have had running on you know trello beforehand and just weren't kind of feeling it you know kind of mapping resources um obviously through to then the professional settings with you know kind of people like architects and product designers using it um in this whole space of kind of robotics and coding as well so that there's loads of places where where lego is now you know kind of showing up in different ways and i, I think one of the big challenges for us as we look forwards over the next you know 85 years is to understand actually how can we introduce that to more people how can we give uh, you know kind of adults and, and those of us particularly working in professional settings the chance to use the brick as a way of actually interacting with one another and help facilitate creative exploration i think there's huge potential in uh, you know kind of reimagining both the way in which we do planning we do concepting we do storytelling with one another uh, and i think learning to do a little bit of building along the way would probably help quite a lot of us get that done so I'm, I'm always curious about brands where you the buyer is not necessarily the user yeah in general for lego let's say it's the parents who have to buy it for the kids in the other spaces where you're talking maybe about... For now, about, until, until they've hacked the cryptocurrencies right, or and, you know, right. they're, they're buying it on Bitcoin themselves, then yeah. But I mean, let's <laughs> say that on, on balance, that's what it is. And 
the, the area I wanted to get into was because you know you're you're really someone who's in the, in the weeds and understanding the notions, the real notion, operational notions of what's happening on social media. But when people are constructing a social media strategy, in a lot of companies, it seems to be just about getting eyeballs and and getting interactions and and making the numbers work. What I wanted to ask you, James, is to what extent your mission, the purpose of Lego, plays into the strategy of Lego. And I don't mean this to be a, just an easy setup because in the end of the day, you obviously need to make numbers, you need to drive the business. So talk us through how much your purpose plays into your editorial line or and uh, how much is about you know making smart, creative guesses about how to drive the business as opposed to working just on the purpose. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, what's been fascinating shift for us over the past few years, particularly as a lot of these kind of big platforms, you know, take the likes of Facebook or Pinterest or YouTube have kind of reached maturity, and and they've moved out of being just the thing that like the more technology enabled parents are using, where it's actually yeah, these are the, the the yellow pages and directory books of everybody, right? These are the things that we operate our lives in. They are our kind of lifestyle operating systems, if you like. That we have an opportunity to kind of reach parents reach shoppers of lego products in different ways but we also know that just talking to them about products doesn't necessarily help because you're not meeting the human need and, you know those things haven't changed we all still want to understand how to be better parents ultimately we want to understand how to have more, more rewarding experiences with our children and obviously particularly when you're buying something for your kids you have a massive amount of care and detail that kind of goes into the things that you put in the home uh, because th- those are the things that are going to help craft these young minds that you're you know, kind of been given the charge of looking after. So there's a lot of consideration that goes into that. One of the big initiatives that we started uh, about 12 months ago now was a program that we call Social by Nature, which is part of our overall social media work. And it's to really um, help target um the, the right stories for parents to help them understand how to play better themselves with their children. It has almost no product marketing in it. There's no kind of, obviously the Lego product is part of the content, but there's no um, you know, sales pitch behind it. We just really identified that actually there's a massive demand out there for kids um, and parents' content where they actually help them play with one another. You know, most people would be surprised, but actually parents find it harder and harder now to actually learn how to play with their kids. And that seems like a kind of odd thing to say if you hear it abstractly. But actually, if you think of all of the demands on parents' time right now, whether it's their, you know, kind of work-life balance that doesn't end at a fixed time of the day, when it's social interactions that are constantly connected to them, whatever it might be, the the challenge of being a parent and actually engaging and being attention, you know, kind of driven and being present with your kids when you're playing with them, rather than just handing something off to them is is huge. It's a massive, massive challenge. And so one of the things that we've tried to orient ourselves around as a part of our core part of our strategy is to become far more audience led and actually meet them with content that really meets their needs rather than, you know, kind of just trying to shove products down their necks. But everyone knows how to do that. There are plenty of ways to do that later on down the line if you need to kind of drive conversions. But the first thing is to really actually understand what is it that they want to know more of. And those things haven't changed for anybody. You either want more time, you want more time with your kids, uh, or you want to do something easier. You want you know, kind of accessibility, and, and that's what we've tried to pivot towards. It's funny, you mentioned um, what they want to know more of. I often, let's say, challenge companies on their FAQ, their frequently asked questions. And a lot of companies, the, the frequently asked questions are things like, how can I get more product? Why is my product the best? <laughs> I was like, well, that's not actually what they're thinking. They want other questions, other content. 
James, when you are, are working uh, in your domain with this sort of social imprint, to what extent is it important in the liberties that you might have the fact it's a privately owned, family owned business as opposed to publicly traded? How does that play into your day to day life? <laughs> yeah, but I, this is the, the second big um, global family owned company that I've worked for in my career. Um, prior to Lego, I worked for the, the PR agency Edelman, which is also family owned and operated and, and privately run. And I think what's um, the, the thread that runs through both of those things is that um, it comes with an equal dose of freedom. Uh, and responsibility and, and trying to kind of tread the line between those two things is the the constant um thing that you have to work with as i mentioned at the, up front you know lego has been around for 85 years it's we're still owned and operated by the family uh and uh, thomas who is the the great grandson of all who was the the original founder of the company is uh, the chairman of the lego brand group which is the the kind of owning and operating company of the of the the, the company and so you know with that comes amazing freedom because they can choose to give over to new initiatives because they want to, right? They can pull out of the profit themselves and they can you know, invest in things that we otherwise wouldn't invest in, whether that's sustainable materials to actually move the Lego brick on from its current plastic foundation or invest in things like Lego Life, which you know ultimately will help you know, kids share with one another, but is a big bet. You know, when you're kind of looking at it objectively to kind of invest in building a digital platform uh, around a physical product. You know, these are big investments, but with that comes you know, great freedom to do that because they're not beholden to a shareholder family you know, kind of to, to look after. On the, the flip side of that is that the responsibility, you know, it's that kind of silly Spider-Man quote, but you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And it's, it's incredibly true when you're dealing with the heritage um, of a brand like Lego. Um, or whether, like I say in my previous role, the kind of the namesake of a kind of a big, uh, you know, kind of powerful PR family in the, in the Edelman family is that the same thing is you, you constantly have to make sure that you're upholding to the heritage and the quality and all of the tenants that come with that. So whether that's, you know, being really rigorous about, you know, what content do we let go out of the channels? Does it actually, is it good enough? You know, are we constantly asking ourselves, is, is this good enough? Um, and not just is it good enough, but like, is it the best that it can be? Because you can get away with good enough for quite a while. And, and you, if you go scrolling through your Facebook feed right now, you can see plenty of people trying to do it just good enough. Um, but is it the best experience that we can create? That's a big challenge. And to do the best, it requires investment, which is why, again, coming back around to it, having the family that can invest in those things when they, they truly believe in the mission of what they're trying to do is an amazing privilege to have. Um, but you do kind of tread carefully. And, and it also means that we don't kind of rush into things either. Uh, you know, nothing as much as uh, you can see from the activity. Um, you know, it's that kind of that duck on the surface of the water, right? It looks calm and everything's just kind of happening up front, but up below that is paddling and paddling and paddling. Um, that that's very much true here but everything you know kind of still we have a big community culture here at lego of trying to work with one another to kind of bring consensus and make sure that we kind of agree before we move on anything big like that mm. so it's it's that fast and slow it's and um, that you know that thinking fast and slow kind of um, mantra that we try and kind of stick with okay so you guys obviously have a lot of love in the in the marketplace where do you, you've talked about Lego life and we'll probably get into that in a second, but where are you building with greatest, let's say, fervor to not to say success, your social media presence? Where Where is it happening? And if you would maybe give us a some kind of 
keys or, or secrets that you think are really magnificent for helping drive your business on social? I think um, well, one of the things that we obviously have, which we're just incredibly kind of privileged to have, is the Lego brand itself. That's the thing that propels us forward, and I think that that's um, been a great thing for a long time. You mentioned at the start of the show, you know, this whole thing about yeah, kind of everybody knows of Lego and loves of Lego, and that's true in many places, but it's not true everywhere. Uh, you know, if you think across to emerging markets in Asia and China, and particularly, um, yeah, we've had to do an awful lot of work to establish the brand in those places where we've not had the, the same longevity as um you know we've had in western europe and in america but where we're trying to push into new things um we're seeing amazing um responses across uh, all of the kind of big platforms that you'd expect i think one of the most um interesting areas probably is what we're doing in youtube right now we're expanding across a number of more channels and trying to orient ourselves around content that actually reflects what kids are watching across YouTube. If you had probably come back to our channel, you know, kind of 12 months ago, you would have seen far more, um, you know, minifigure, 3D animated led content it looked a lot similar to what we were pushing out across kids' TV shows uh, and networks. And what you'll see more and more from uh, what we've already began to launch into market now with our YouTube lab, which is launching new channels and new content formats um, across a variety of different categories and sectors is bringing actually the kids themselves the creators these amazing master builders and uh, talent and influencers far more close to the center of what we're doing from a content perspective because that's what kids are consuming and it's been pioneered obviously by um, amazing folks here kind of in the youtube space and that's what kids are spending the majority of their time and we have to move with what they're wanting they want to see more content where they can be present in it they want to see more real building of actual products and you know creativity being expressed and uh, they want to see the the faces of the influencers and the, the creative and um, you know uh, creators as well that they know and so we're moving much more in that direction i think youtube is going to be continue to be one of the biggest experience shifts that we're going to do certainly uh, this year and certainly into next year uh, of course it's not just the kids though that we're trying to reach through social in fact it's actually harder to reach the kids than anyone else obviously a large part as you mentioned before is, is reaching parents and again there we're seeing some amazing shifts i mentioned before social by nature one of the big things we began to do is see that the role of um you know kind of video that has been formatted directly for the right platform whether that's on facebook uh you know kind of the role of what, what, what we'll have to wait and see what comes with facebook watch and their whole um kind of you know, uh, own creative content but even in the timeline right now getting the content right for the platform is the thing that you need to be doing you know you it no longer can you just create the tv ad cut it up into five different versions formats and frame rates and just pump it out across everything everything needs to have its own tailored thing from you know down to little things that you, you hear gary v talk about this stuff all the time of you know kind of how he's had to pivot his strategy on youtube now because he can't just say like hi to youtube on his blog and then put it on facebook because it just doesn't feel right it's those little tweaks where actually platform by platform creating content that's really relevant and correct for it it is crucial you know take what we're doing on pinterest right now creating actual step by steps of how to do some of these more creative things works amazingly well for reaching parents um, and particularly mums uh, who are looking for content about how can they engage with their kids with play ideas maybe it's how to throw a lego themed birthday party and they're going for party inspiration over on pinterest you, know, you can't just throw up the same thing in every different platform you have to be super targeted and specific uh, and that's a big shift in uh, you know, and that's a big thing for a lot of companies not everyone's able to do that right we're privileged of being large enough to be able to take on all these different things at the same time but for smaller players 
picking those battles is absolutely crucial. All right, so give us an idea of how you figure out what is the right content for each platform. In other words, you know, let's say you've just done a, a two-minute video that you put up on YouTube. How do you know that you need to be one minute 30 for Facebook? Uh, how do you find this stuff out? I think one part of it is like actually living in your own experience and kind of just checking your own behavior. That can be a massive informer. Is it? Unfortunately, you know, Minta, obviously you're very special and I consider myself a bit special too. But really, in all honesty, we're all just humans and we're all just creatures using these things. These are, you know, kind of all platforms that have been designed around different user experiences to form certain habits. And so, broadly speaking, most people conform to those habits. So, the first thing I always do is just look at, like, hang on, how do I use this so when I feel myself feeling fatigued by what I'm seeing in the newsfeed because I'm just fed up of seeing ad after ad after ad that tells me something in the same way that I look at my wife who's a wedding planner and I know that she you know her half of her business life is lived in Pinterest and I know from just speaking to her on the basic that it's like oh okay well that's where if you're trying to you know if you want to go reach brides what what age are brides? What you know, kind of, typically you know, kind of what uh, demographic do they fit into? What are they looking for? Well, maybe you might be able to catch them with your latest you know, fashion release at the same time that they're trying to plan out what you know kind of ghost chairs they want for their reception at the venue. You know, these are it's all kind of based in those human insights. I think that you know that matched with now unparalleled access to data on the back end of these things, and that more and more testing opportunities is is obviously key. So we're doing a lot more in terms of A-B testing, uh, different content formats and types, you know, seeing whether or not actually if we shave the kind of credits off the end of that and put them on the start, does it do something to it? If we crop something out and, you know, throw up a 16 by 9 video, but it's got black bars and a title above and below it, does it stand out slightly better in the newsfeed than the natively square video? Hmm. Um, and, you know, very quickly you can see the answers to these things tested with very limited amounts of money. Um, you know, just because we, we obviously are also privileged because we, we have a big organic follow and have a crazy amount of organic traction compared to probably what most brands will have because uh, people come and, and search out Lego content um, you know, from the get-go. But you know, even so, if you don't have that, you can be testing these things with you know, kind of $50 budgets, $100 budgets. It's not something that you have to be kind of spending in the thousands to get meaningful results on anymore. Um, and so that's, that's really how we work. You know, we, we try things, we test, and we iterate, and we, we go back out again and, and be constantly prepared with the next thing. That's brilliant. James, you mentioned the organic traction and Lego, of course, everyone does seek out. At the same time, there's a, a large number of people saying it's a pay-to-play game. So I'd be interested to know, uh, with Lego being what it is, is it a pay-to-play game even for you? I think that that question is answered um, in different ways depending on where you are. I think, you know, again, I cited my friend Gary, who's got this you know, kind of whole thing about attention arbitrage, and I think it's it's absolutely important. It's like there are still places where people are spending massive amounts of attention, and it's massively underpriced. So, you know, for example, Instagram stories still massively underpriced for the amount of attention you can get. If you've got a following of you know 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 followers on Instagram, you can easily be reaching 12 to 15 percent of them every single day for free using your um, you know, kind of Instagram stories. And you can be linking through and getting kind of traction in that way. Whereas if you're going to go and try and compete in the newsfeed on Facebook, then, yeah, it's absolutely pay to play because th- these are the places where, you know, direct to direct response ads 
it's just not going to work anymore. Um, you, you're you're um, succumb to the algorithm. You've got to fight for your place against the, the kind of ranking um, as you would do anywhere else. And so I think it really depends on where you're placing your money and where your consumer is. You know, if you are trying to go after someone who's under 35 in the US or a Western European market right now and you don't have something happening on Snapchat, you're probably missing out on something because the opportunity is you know, massively, again, underpriced there compared to the conversion rates that you're going to go and see. So choosing the right places and then being surprising. You know, we're, uh, we've, um, earlier this year, we launched a partnership with Giphy to get a opportunity to share loads of Lego GIFs uh, via the Giphy channel. In the time since we launched, we've had somewhere in the upper order of about 600 million views of Lego GIFs on, on the Giphy channel since launching. Uh, with basically no money exchanging hands anywhere and Giphy would be very open about this um, as well. I commend the article that um, they run on the last copy of Fast Company's uh, cover page around it for, for you to kind of get into. I'll link to it. Yeah, G- Giphy are, um, yeah, kind of going great guns to become essentially the kind of the intermediary content format between video and image. You know, this kind of, this animated thing that can express mm. more than an image can but is not as heavy loading as, as a video and so because they're plugged in everywhere you know the moment that you want to go search for lol or omg you know we we had a gif up on on the channel within 24 hours and they had done 20 million views in a weekend just because giphy decided to trend it for us so if you can get the right cultural moment you can tap in with your brand to the right time you can be showing up in those kind of places too it's not a kind of um, magic formula it's just about showing up where like I say, the attention's underpriced and where there's an opportunity to kind of be culturally relevant because all of these things rely upon that. It's about mixture of finding that cultural, you know, kind of touch paper, lighting it at just the right time and then being um, fast enough and agile enough to then go follow up once that piece of paper has been lit. If you're not prepared to then follow up with the data capture and the retargeting and the testing afterwards, then then it's not much use to you. Um, you'll be a flash in the pan. But if you are, then there's massive inbound opportunities there. Beautiful. Last area of exploration, James, is um, you mentioned innovation. And yeah. um, of course, in some respect, I suppose Lego Life is part of that, uh, social play, um, or, or whatever you, it was, it was social Lego. Uh, talk us through how you are are exploring innovation and how social media plays into that. Well, I think it goes far beyond um, just social now as well, because where you know where the line of what something is a social media platform or just a media platform or just a company, you know, I, I get slightly fed up of startups launching themselves and saying they're a tech company when they're a food business. You're just a company that understands that the internet exists at this point. So there's definitely kind of a lot of places um, to play. And I think it will go far beyond what we class as currently social media platforms. Take Facebook alone, you know, are they a social network? Are they a video content distributor? Are they an ad network? Are they a VR provider? Yes, is the answer to all of those things. Um, and, and they're you know, a media they're, company. And they're absolutely a media company and also a, you know, a kind of a B2B communications tool if you go and you know, kind of get your, your company up on workplace, right? So there's a whole bunch of different things that they're doing. Uh, the same could be said for non-social media companies like Amazon, which now have social facilities, right? I think I was just playing around with my Echo Dot last night, dropping in dropping in their new corn feature to my dad, who also has one, you know, and that that's a, a social interaction now built upon a audio home audio speaker device that is run by the world's largest logistics company 
go figure who saw that one coming right so you know these things are all kind of reverse engineering themselves to kind of a point where we we can't quite tell where the next uh kind of thing is going to come from like if you had gone to anyone and said oh actually by the end you know two years ago if you've gone to anyone and said amazon's going to be the the fastest selling bluetooth speaker in the world ever (laughs) i think everyone would have been like you have been smoking something special james so but here we are and that's the reality that we live in and we've gone to the point now where you know kind of 1984 we were all worried about you know kind of the cameras coming to watch us now we're buying the devices that listen to us watch us all the time and putting them in our living rooms and being quite happy about it thank you very much so you know this is uh, the the reality that we're living in is, is uh, fundamentally different to what we might have thought it looked like and i think it will continue to to go in that direction and i think we we have so many opportunities to push into from an innovation perspective it's kind of hard to often know where to start I think if you had to kind of pin me down on things that I'm particularly bullish about right now. I think the home audio space is the space to be in because, again, it's that underpriced attention thing. You know, as more and more people this Christmas go put one of these devices, whether it's a Google Home or it's an Echo device or a Cortana or one of the many others, in their living room, kitchen, kids' room, playroom and den, uh, and probably for many people, um, all f- four of those, it's something like 50% of all device owners have more than one of them already. You know, this is going to be something that is now the portal into so much information that's ambiently ready for you in the home. And if you can be ready and prepared with an answer to that question when someone asks Alexa or Google or Cortana for an answer, then if you become the kind of the you know, dial-up service, that you, if you become the Skype of that situation that we're using to record this right now, then you have massive first-mover advantage. So I think that that is a, a space that I'm particularly interested in. And I think the other one that I would also cite, and this is more of a global trend, particularly as we see the kind of moves from uh, the kind of Asian players is around messaging. As more and more of us get kind of scroll fatigue um, from spending too much time in news feeds, um, coupled also with like this innate weird desire to become more mindful. As we started off talking about mindsets, it's yeah, mindfulness. Wow. I mean, again, also kind of the ancient, you know, kind of <laughs> Near Eastern traditions that have now kind of suddenly resurged as being the kind of pop culture hit of uh, of the, the, the 2020s, I think is going to be a really interesting one. Um, you know, those two those two mega trends kind of coupling one another is driving people into more kind of direct one to one closed down and private conversations. Yeah, and so the role of and yeah, exactly. And so the role of brands in those places, it becomes really challenging, right? Because as people move away from the news feed and spend more time in Messenger or in WhatsApp or in WeChat online or Kakao Talk or any one of these places, um, you know, what's the role of the brand in that space? And, and it, are we going to allow brands back in? Um, maybe not. So I think yeah, definitely not all brands. No, definitely not. I think the only the most loved or the most, you know, kind of high, you know, kind of high touch, high trust brands probably will be allowed in those spaces. Uh, not even, I think it is trust. Um, but I think it's also kind of the ones that we have the closest habit relationships with. Right. It's like actually, you know, despite all of the you know, kind of negative press that you've seen around companies like Uber in recent you know, kind of months uh, at both executive and the, the junior level here in London, where, you know, kind of they're obviously in the process right now of appealing the shutdown. You, know, you still see massive amount of people who want to use it every day just out of convenience factor. And so I think that brands, you know, whether they're loved or not, they're still, if they're convenient enough, they can still kind of come into our lives. Uh, yeah, no one likes to admit the sugar in the can of Coke, but you're still buying it. So, yeah, that's the kind of thing where I think if we can kind of find opportunities um, to insert relevancy 
uh, relevancy, yeah, that's yeah. the word, relevancy and um, and utility into the kind of the private social space or that kind of dark social that some people mm-hmm. call it. Uh, I think there's still big opportunities there. And again, it's still so nascent right now. So, you know, kind of, again, moving first, coming with something really, um, you know, kind of unique, becoming the, the operating system in that place, uh, you've got an opportunity still. What about 3D printing? I have to imagine that that's uh, an area, let's say a gray area, you know, it's, you know, Minter writes into Lego, hey, I've just printed out a great new 3D piece uh, of your Lego. Where where are you going? And the make and the makers movement. How are you involved with that? Absolutely. I mean, I think 3D printing is is an amazing technology. It's obviously coming on leaps and bounds. We've had 3D printers at Lego since about 1983, (laughs) uh, making things uh, in the back offices. And we we use 3D printing as part of the production process quite a lot in terms of prototyping. In reality, we're probably still, I'd say, 10 to 12 years out from having the kind of truly commercial quality printer that you can sit on your desk and and kind of print just about anything out of. We all know that the the cost of entry right now is uh, is pretty high. uh, And the kind of... the um, desire of what you can actually do with these things is still kind of fairly limited. Um, I think quality will be a big thing. You, you would imagine that, you know, kind of um, a ch- it could be seen as, or many people throw it around as, oh, well, what happens when I can print my own Lego brick out? And I'm sure that day will come at some very distant future, but whether you'll ever do it at scale or, you know, kind of feel the need to do it, obviously we would hope that we'll find a solution to that in the future. I think the two things will coexist. Um but I think the, the bigger question there is really about what that 3D printing thing represents. And, and that is that, as you mentioned, the, the maker movement. And, you know, and we've been very deeply entrenched in that, um, you know, ever since it was possible to make a life as a craftsman in this kind of space, I suppose. Um, you know, because Lego has been used as a, as a kind of literally a building block for so many different things in, in, in many different contexts. Uh, and we, we embrace it fully. I think that there's a huge opportunity to see, uh, particularly not just in the maker space, but also when you couple that with kind of things like the democratization of commerce and crowdfunding and those kind of opportunities, you know, these companies that suddenly kind of take off out of nowhere uh, without necessarily the burden of kind of global distribution challenges where they can, where they can go on Kickstarter or Indiegogo and then, you know, kind of get funded and then get their product on Amazon and suddenly have a global distribution. Um, you know, we, we are constantly looking for those kind of partners that we can work with the innovative companies that we can, you know, kind of seed. Uh, and I think there's going to be a big opportunity to work with more of them in the future, not less. All right. One last shorter question, a little bit tongue in cheek. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen it, I don't know where what planet they're living on, but the Darth Star <laughs> Canteen, uh, yeah. the uh, Eddie Izzard um, <laughs> Darth, is, w- <laughs> that's just one of the funniest freaking skits ever. Using Lego pieces <laughs> as their as their fundament um, was that that was user generated content, I assume. And how did that go down? And how how much you try to encourage that kind of stuff? <laughs> Well, as as for the the specific sketch, I, I can't. I obviously wouldn't want to pass comment. Also, I wasn't here at the time, so I, I can't kind of say that. But what I would say is that we get a lot of that stuff all the time. The, the the fan community is, and particularly the Lego fan community, is one of the most treasured parts of working at this company because the things that people come up with continue to astound me and the rest of the team on a daily basis. 
the things that we get sent it, it's just incredible and and so much of it unfortunately doesn't rise to the surface like things like that you know um but the things that we get sent you know just continue to astound us in the the, the breadth and depth of creativity that exists and, and that's fundamentally because of what they're working with right it's like you know the the billions of combinations that can come and the endless possibilities out of using the product is the thing that keeps us super excited to always see what they do and i mentioned before you know we're looking to work with more and more of those uh, in collaboration with more of those creators as we try and seek out what it is that kids really want what is it they want to see you know do they want more stop motion crazy stuff do they want more parody do they want more challenge videos you know right now they're all making slime but i'm sure once they're done with that they'll move on to something else and we we really hope that we can be the ones that are there to help facilitate that creativity for them when they do because you know that's that's ultimately what we're here for as i mentioned at the start we're here to you know kind of deliver creative experiences for children to help them learn through play um and then when they create those amazing things we just can't wait to see what it is that they they come up with next james it's been a wonderful pleasure to have you on very inspirational i've i've uh, enjoyed your energy it's been a little longer than i usually do but hey it sounded like it was worthwhile so james how can someone track you down connect with you <laughs> or what's the preferred way for people to listen to what you're up to Absolutely, yeah. I'm always happy to be tracked down. For a, a, you can often find me harvesting one of the, the coffee shops around uh, Farringdon or Holborn in, in central London for most of the week. Uh, but when I'm not there, you can find me online. At, uh, I'm pretty much at James Poulter, uh, P-O-U-L-T-E-R, pretty much anywhere uh, on the internet. And if I'm not there, then a quick Google will get me uh, pretty quickly. Do your personal brownie. James, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for staying and playing with us. And I look forward to staying in touch. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, that's mindset with a Y, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes, that really makes my day. Happy trails, and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, Phil. All your colors any different way To rid me of the gray And heal me With all your imperfections that you mention in your
Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.